0: Welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by Funkandstuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. Whether you're watching the video version on YouTube or Funkandstuff.net or listening to the audio podcast version on iTunes, Spotify, or any other leading provider, I thank you, as always, for your continued interest and support. Also, I want to give a shout-out to the Funk Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton, Ohio, of which I am proud to be an official funk ambassador. Go to thefunkcenter.org to learn more and help keep the funk alive. That's right, baby. For today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Studio a woman with more aliases than an FBI Most Wanted list, <laughs> except she is most wanted for the unique singing and songwriting abilities that have led her enjoying a long and successful funk dance and club music career. With her build as Sheila Horn, Sheila Washington, Sheila Brody, Blackwood, Amuka Kelly, or even a Bride of Funkenstein. This artist's star power has shined through. Having gotten her start with George Clinton, she would go on to work with just about every funk act under the Funk Mob's umbrella, as well as Steve Washington's lead Aura and Civil Attack, before shifting gears to become an international dance music sensation. She's continuing to release new music and recently recorded with Public Enemy and has a memoirs book in the works. Now, my dear lady, what name shall I call you?
1: Well, right now, okay, that's so funny. I am Sheila Brody Head. I, you know, it's funny. It's a funny thing because my brother and I used to, you know, talk about each other. And I used to call him Watermelon Head. Big head, all kinds of heads, and then I ended up marrying a guy with the last name Head. So I think that's pretty interesting, but yeah, Brody Head, and everybody makes fun of my name, so that's normal.
0: The only other head I remember is Murray Head, who did the uh, one night in Bangkok hit. You remember that in the early eighties?
1: Oh my God, no, I don't remember. No, I've never, I've never even heard the name before I met him. I never uh, heard it.
0: The, yeah. Look up that song. I'm sure you'll remember it once you hear it.
1: I will definitely. But I'm so, ahead now. Hey,
0: thank you for joining the show. It's great to have you, Hi. Sheila.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank and where you. And where are you coming to us from today? I am in Detroit, Michigan. I'm on a Street Cascadian in lovely, wonderful Detroit. And I'm at my cousin's, and we're just having a great time over here, cooking great dishes because she's an amazing cook, by the way. Nice. Yes. You and too. I'm just um, I'm loving Detroit, man. It's just wonderful. Wonderful.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about music meccas, especially for soul and funk. Man, Detroit.
1: Oh man, I was just down in the studio with Nick Speed. We're working on a project, and we just put something together. Um, and I didn't realize—oh, that's little baby boy. Uh, that's Junior. I didn't realize that we were in a studio called Pen. what is it Pen? Pen Studios. It's Pen. Oh, they're gonna kill me. Um, it's it's in the Penobscot Building. And um, it's where Mojo and WJLB used to be in that particular right there on that floor. I didn't know that. And I recorded in that studio. And it's very it's very mist- magical in there. It really is. It really so is. Much,
0: so much history. I've never been, um, but I hope to one day.
1: You've never been where? Detroit. Are you serious? And you're a funk master? Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, now will be the best time to come. It is fascinating. I, there's a day, you know, I lived in, I lived in New York. I lived in LA, I've lived, you know, in really Florida, but there's something really magical about Detroit. I cannot even explain it to you, but it is beautiful. I mean, you, you go through the winters and you just, you're so excited about the summer because you went through that winter, unless you're a snowbird, of course, but otherwise you're just like, Oh, it just has a different meaning than when you're in an area that's always warm or just one climate. It's different, and the people are different.
0: Yeah. We were just talking about A Quiet on the show because I just had uh, Steve Boyd on.
1: Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go skip right by that one, aren't we? We're going to do that. I'm not going to say a
0: word. Okay. Well, hey, (laughs) let's let's talk about um, growing up, how you first got into music. Were you in a musical household? What was life like? as a kid and as a teen for, for Sheila?
1: Um, I I was in groups. I was in a group. I, I remember I was in a group when I, and I would go to Grosse Point to rehearse. I would actually stay in Grosse Point at the band's house for the week. like and they, and they would go back to school. And then I would go home on the weekends because I was a kid. I was like 14 and I was in this band called Cold, Holden Caulfield. You know, Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> it was a yeah. rock band. Right. And then I had a group called I was in DiMali. I was in a bunch of groups. And then I started doing these people encouraged me to enter the talent shows. So then I started winning the talent shows. And I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. You know? <laughs> this is kinda cool. And I I just started from there and I just and then George Clinton. I met a guy named E Man, which you might know him. He worked with Snoop. He worked with a lot of people when he went to California. But he was Bootsy's tech man. So I met him in Detroit, I was a kid, and he was like, hey, you want to come down to the studio? But I was already singing, so I had things already recorded. And I said, sure. you invited me down, I went down, and Lynn Mabry was sitting on the steps at United Sound. There's an area where it's between Studio A and the, there's a stairway right outside there. And we're sitting there, and she says, hey, you got any music? And I put it on. And then George descends the stairway. Oh, boy. He was all clad in red leather from head to toe. He had like six, seven inch boots and it was 90 degrees outside, okay? So I'm like, whoa, and I see him walk down the stairs very slowly and then she's like, George, um, check this out. This is, uh, check this out. She plays the tape and he looks at me and he says, is that you? I'm like, yeah, do you have a passport? I'm like, no, you need to get one, why? Cause you're hired, just like that. And Oh, he's not serious, he's not serious. But he was, and I went what, to Europe.
0: What, what year was that?
1: Oh, we're not telling them. We're not telling them. <laughs> I was 10, you know, I was 10 at the time. Right, no, it right. Was, it was when they did the Parliament, the, um, I'm terrible with dates, I have to tell you. I don't know if it's on purpose,
0: but I'm if terrible. If you tell me a record, I can tell you the date.
1: It was um, going, when we first went to, it was definitely One Nation was out, and we went to Parliament House, the Parliament House in London. We actually went to Europe, went to London that, we went to the whole, we toured Europe and London was part of that. I remember going there, going to the House of Parliament. It was my very first tour. Um, I can't remember the album, but I know One Nation was out. It might've been, it might've been One Nation. So
0: either late 78 or 79.
1: Well, yeah, like, you know, let's say 80s, no, <laughs> yes.
0: Like you said, you were 10. Um, I was 10. So who were some of your singing Idols or heroes, though, up to that point?
1: Oh my God. Um, Okay. I'm a rocker. I love Led Zeppelin. That's why when we did Never Buy Texas My Cowboy, George made me scream so much. I was like, oh my goodness. Because I was like, George, what's wrong with that take? And he was like, nope, gonna do it again. So uh, I'm a rock and roller. I like, um, I definitely like Led Zeppelin, it's like one of my favorite bands of all times. Um, I really like, uh, I love Tina Turner. Uh, I like Barbara Streisand. I like um, Diana Ross. Um, there's a lot, Dionne Warwick. I mean, I, I like, there are a lot of rock rock bands that I, I like. Like, what was it? Who did Vaseline? Stone Temple Pilots. But that was like, they're really good. And now, what was that other band that was like Stone Temple Pilots?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, was,
1: it was similar. I don't know, but that, gonna... that's
0: later, though. That would not have been during your formulative years. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, I was into a lot of rock and roll because I lived in Syracuse, and there was only there was no R and B station. <laughs> it was rock and roll and pop. That was it. So, um, I mostly my roots are in rock and roll, which is pretty interesting.
0: So you were in Syracuse, New York.
1: Yep, and I like Jimi Hendrix. Of course, I loved Hendrix. He was he was awesome. Yeah. And uh, what was um, Mercedes? My Mercedes Benz. Uh oh, you're gonna kill me. I can't. Janis Joplin. I liked her too. She had a lot of style. She's just so free with it, you know. I, I liked her. So yeah, I like. Her. There are a lot of people that are like.
0: How familiar were you with uh, P Funk before you got?
1: Never even heard of them. <laughs> I've never heard the record. <laughs> I've never heard of them. I walked in there, so I didn't. I wasn't starstruck because I didn't know who they were. I had no clue. Not a clue. And uh, we did Atomic Dog, and I've been. Uh, Every song after that, except like, I guess later on, but all the other, all the hits after Tom or Dog, like Knee Deep, Summer Sweat, all those. Yes, I was in all
0: those. You, yeah. first, you first went out on the tour backing up Parliament or Parlet or the Bride? No,
1: we were hired as brides, Bridesmaids. And um, it's pretty interesting. Like, I'm going to tell this story in the book, so... <laughs> I remember when we were, you know, I was so excited and I was so happy and um, we were doing an in-store interview and we were signing our autographs, we were signing autographs, so I was signing the brides. I got in trouble. I don't know if I should say which one said it, I probably shouldn't because that wouldn't be. Should I tell who did it? Okay. They were like, why are you saying the brides? You're not a bride, you're a bridesmaid. You sign bridesmaid. don't you sign brides. So it's just weird that I ended up becoming the lead singer of Never Buy Text a Cowboy album. It's just karma. Because I didn't, I had no intention. I had no idea. I wasn't trying. But one of the other girls were three bridesmaids. And one of the other girls had already decided that when one of them, either Kim or I'm not Kim, either uh, Dawn or Lynn left, she wanted that spot. <laughs> so she. She kind of tried to set me and the other girls, Satori, Jeanette Magruder, tried to set us up all the time. Like one time, we're like, "Oh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go shopping." There's no there's no rehearsal. She said, "Oh no, there is no rehearsal," and she knew. So when they asked where are the girls, oh, they said they weren't. They don't want to do rehearsal. They went shopping. So she would do stuff like that, like trying to get us in trouble. But she ended up the one. She ended up leaving before us. And I spoke to Ronald Brembury. I can verify this. That's um, you know who that is, Ronald Brembury. He's no. Bootsy's like Bootsy's right hand guy who was like his manager for many many years oh. he told me that George came to him and said um, when Lynn left he said I'm going to make it a three girl act I'm going to bring them up to the front and I'm going to make them brides so George to me I mean he, he christened me and, uh, and Jeanette as brides he made us brides so we were brides um,
0: and, and Lynn left because she had a baby right
1: no, not right away. She was dating um, Junie Morrison, Junie, and you know Junie was kind of different. <laughs> I'm just saying he you
0: he was a little different. Eccentric genius, right?
1: Whoa! I mean, for real. I mean, and he's the kind of guy. He was the kind of guy God rest his soul that if he had a woman, she was all his. I mean, you know, they he kind of ran the shop. Like, he definitely wore the pants in the the relationship. Absolutely, no question. So when he left, then Lynn had to leave, too. She left. But I didn't expect her to leave, you know, but she did. And then we became three brides. And then we recorded Never Buy text for a Cowboy.
0: Who were the bridesmaids with you before that?
1: Oh, uh, Jeanette Magruder. Her name is Satori Shakura nowadays. Well, she just got married, so she has a different last name us brides, you know, we're brides. What are we supposed to do? What do brides do? They get married. You know?
0: Perfect. <laughs> I
1: don't even know where that came from. But, um, Satori, um, and then there was Babs. Babs was a bride, but she kind of left on that first tour. Okay. Uh, she, she'd already decided that she was, you know, she, you know what they say, if you dig a hole for somebody, you better dig one for yourself. <laughs> you ever heard that saying? <laughs> <laughs> so, she was trying to dig a hole for me and the other girls, so we would just disappear, but it ended up being her that fell in the hole. We didn't fall in the hole. We became bridesmen. We didn't even, we didn't even, we weren't even trying to be brides, you know? It was like, it just happened. It was just, the, the, the it just happened.
0: Well, Jeanette was, had been part of Parlette as well,
1: right? No, that's a different Jeanette. That's Jeanette Washington.
0: Right. She,
1: there's a Jeanette Washington, she's in Parlette. And there was Malia, and there were like several parlettes, you know. They were the, the Evans girls, um, Gwen okay. and uh, her sister. Oh, god, I'm gonna be so bad, you better take that part. <laughs> but I got the um, records here,
0: so yeah,
1: Gwen Dozier, Gwen Dozier, and her sister. Um, they both were par- parlette, and then there was um, Shirley Hayden, of course, and then there was Malia and uh, Jeanette, Jeanette Washington, who is who was, I don't know if she still is, working with Don right now.
0: Right. So, yeah, they recently did something together. You're right. Yep. Um. So do you remember what the first song you performed with the Funk Mob was before you ever right. up, right?
1: Oh, I know we did uh, Underwater Thing. You remember the Funking Underwater Thing? That was a big deal. Because I remember we had costumes made for that. The, when we were supposed to be underwater. Because I was a motor booty lady. Did you know that?
0: No, tell it.
1: You didn't know I was a motor booty lady? You, okay, there was a chick. There were these chicks. We had to put on these costumes, like this padding.
0: Well, I remember the show, yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Do you remember girls walking around in tight, uh, um, tight, like, what is it? Like, whatever it is. And it was an orange one and a pink one. And we looked like, I don't know, alien chicks. Because we had, like, all this padding on. We put spandex over it. Then we had these uh, electric boobies and... Uh, butts and then we had these weird little it was weird but we were motor booty ladies were pretty famous I think people kind of liked us
0: yeah I actually did not get to see that tour in person but I've seen video and uh what an amazing crazy show I mean with the the bird and uh, and the
1: octopus octopus yeah yeah all
0: that all that yeah
1: it was really fun it really was but I don't know if we ever really Look like we were really fucking underwater. There was supposed to be some laser thing that happened, but it didn't really happen. It didn't, yeah. But people just were like, okay, use your imagination. We're really fucking underwater here. Okay, don't we look like we're underwater? So that's kind of, I was a little upset with George for a minute because the Giggles and Squirm outfits were extremely sexy. Okay. And ours were not. Yeah. So like, George, why would you do that? Why did you give them the said, ah, That's fucking old, baby. That was always his answer. That's rock and roll, baby. That was it. Anything, <laughs> anything you came in with an uh, issue. George, Why, blah, 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 blah. That's rock and roll, baby. That was it. That was <laughs> the answer. <laughs>
0: Pretty
1: good answer, right? Good answer.
0: Yeah. What were your, like, uh, aside from that, what were your early impressions of George?
1: Um, He was definitely a rock star. Absolutely bonafide. Very smart. Very smart. He gave me... Um, He gave me a copy of the book, Animal Animal Farm. Mm -hmm. Animal Animal Farm, yeah, Animal Farm. Yeah, Yeah, it's a pretty cool book. I mean, he always gave me like really cool books, like intellectual books. He was always reading, you know. And and I noticed that whenever he would do an interview, he would always be like perfect. He never screwed his words up or or stumbled. He was always very articulate, very eloquent, very just perfect. I'm like, wow, look at that. That was impressive. And he read a lot. He used to read a lot. that, And he used to draw a lot, but he was colorblind. <laughs> so he didn't know how wild the colors were looking. And then he, there's a period where he actually labeled the um, markers. But before the markers were labeled, that's a pre-colorblind period, which was pretty interesting.
0: Wait, you're yeah. saying George is colorblind?
1: He is. Absolutely.
0: I never, I never heard that.
1: Yeah, he is. When he was, his paintings, when he was first doing his artwork, it was all done. He didn't realize he was colorblind. (laughs) But that's how he found out. And then they started marking the colors for him so we could see what color. They they were actually written on the markers. So it's two different, but it is two different types of uh, paintings,
0: like two different ones. So all, all those super colorful Pedro Bell drawings, he didn't see in color? Oh, nope. Not like, not like we saw it.
1: Wow. I love Pedro Bell. That's so funny because Pedro, oh my God, when I moved to California, he and Stozo, which I love them very much, they called me up and they warned me. They're like, you better, let me tell you about LA. And he told me the story about some chick, he was in a diner and she runs in and it's wet and she's wearing flip flops in the rain. And, you know, he's like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I tried to make it here, but it's so crazy and they made me do this and that. He was this horrible story. Like, really, like, be careful, Sheila. It's not what it appears to be. And you know what? They were right. (laughs) Sorry. LA was unbelievable. Oh, my God.
0: What what period did you live up there?
1: I lived there five years ago. I lived in the most haunted house in LA. And Reseda. Actually, you can look it up. It's called haunted ghost stories, ghost haunted stories or something ghost stories ghost adventures ghost adventures it's called the evil Reseda house i'm not joking i lived there and the area where i was staying which is not interesting it it, i had garlic i love garlic i love garlic so i had garlic all over the place and every time they would get somebody to cleanse the house they would always say we don't feel anything in this area so everybody thinks that garlic doesn't work but i think it does because when you look at that episode, it's pretty frightening. I can't believe I actually lived there.
0: Well I did. I, I lived in Reseda as like a two-year-old.
1: Oh my God, you lived in Reseda, I love it. And then I found out it, it was a, a very big Indian burial uh, ground or yeah, properties were all over the place. So they didn't know, and that house had a lot of things, but I'm so glad I survived. It was interesting. I girls stealing from me and selling my things to Buffalo Exchange. That was interesting. There's
0: that's enough issues in L.A. without having to worry about ghosts. I'll tell you that.
1: I that's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There she is.
0: They so, look like sex. So so, uh, tell me about the the experience of of creating and recording this. It
1: was awesome. It was like. It was like a dream come true. I was like, wow, this is uh, really happening. And then Ron Dunbar, he was the producer, like, and he really he really made me feel good about my voice. He really liked my voice. He believed in me and encouraged me to sing all these parts that I didn't really want to do. And he was like, come on, Sheila, I, you got to do this part. So I kind of ended up being the lead singer of the, of the entire album, which I didn't plan that. But I am taking credit. Yes,
0: I am. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, 79 was another great year for the whole funk mob. But a lot of people think that out of all the records that came out in 79, including Uncle Jam and uh, Glory Hell is Stupid, that this one was the best P-Funk album of 79.
1: I must agree. <laughs> and you know we are the, uh, do you know it's the the Rolling Stones top coolest albums of all time were number
0: 23. did you know that that's fantastic you
1: did you see i see? i I,
0: I, had, I had heard that I wasn't sure of the ranking but I heard that it was, it was up there
1: I was excited I mean it is it's a really good album I mean we were really it was we' excited we were hungry we were like yeah you know we're gonna get this and it was i was able to do my rock thing like he let me scream all over over never texas and then i would do my diana ross thing and you know the little cute like what is it didn't mean to fall in love like that song that's me but i mean i never took credit for any of this what happened is people start coming to me and and thinking like they never knew that i was singing those songs they're like you should tell people i'm like why They're like because nobody ever knew it was like nobody even knew about me like my husband didn't even know who I was. He was like, who is this one? Which bride is this? That's pretty Because I, I wasn't doing bride stuff.
0: So. Well, and I, I, saw, I saw the brides uh, I think it was their first show in Hollywood in 78. And um, so I know that they did some shows as just Don and Lynn. But did you do any shows as the three of you? Oh, As a bridesmaid? No, yes. no. As an official bride, did you get to do any shows?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. yes. Yes, because Lynn left. So then we became three. And that's how we ended up doing that album.
0: Right. I'm just not sure, sure if you got on stage.
1: Oh, yeah. Matters. Oh, yeah. We performed on stage. My husband, that's when he's saying. He was looking for footage of me on stage as a bride. And he couldn't find it. We did a show at Bookies. I think that's even on the internet, the brides at Bookies. I remember I had this really cool haircut by this really a very famous hairdresser here. And I remember that haircut, I had these really cool glasses. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, we, um, I did, we did actually, there are some shows, I just don't know where they are, there are some shows somewhere. We were really good.
0: Well, we want to see them.
1: Well, you know, I really would like to do that. I mean, it would be really a good thing. Um, I don't know if you're. I just went through like I don't know. Do you really watch everything that goes on? Do you did you see me get cyberbullied last year around this time, no. saying that I saying I wasn't a bride, I wasn't a Pete Funk All Star, all that? No. But it was by, it was by another bride,
0: mm.
1: <laughs> and it was only because I was doing a show in Sacramento as me, but that person felt I should have came through them because they were from. So it was crazy, but then. Tales from the Tour Bus came out. You saw that, right? I saw it,
0: yeah.
1: It just squashed any any question as to who I am and where my place is in the Funk Legacy line. I'm somewhere in there. When I saw myself on the side of that bus with all those Funk Legends, with Stozo and Satori, I'm like, okay, that's it. You can never say I am not. And of course, I'm a bride of Funkenstein. You know what I'm saying? And, and it said my name, Amuka Kelly, Bride of Funkenstein. so how, that,
0: Did they reach out to you uh, related to that, or was it just a surprise that you saw it?
1: Oh, no. What happened is, you mean, how did we end up doing the interview in the first place? or Yeah. How did
0: you get involved with uh, the tour? Um,
1: Stozo called me up and he said, hey, Sheila, you know, I got, there's always a list. Let me tell you about those lists. He said, well, there's this list and you're on it, and I, we want to know if you'd be interested in doing, you know, this show. And it sounded really cool. And I'm like, okay. And I said, is there any money? He was like, nope. I said, okay. So sometimes you have to assist, you know, you don't worry about the money. And everybody had to sign off. So I signed off and they interviewed people. And I remember him saying that there was another one of the rides and he was trying to talk her into doing it. And like, he was on the phone with her like two and a half hours. I don't know if she ever did it. See, a lot of people did that. They got interviewed, but they didn't keep everybody's stuff. I didn't know how they were gonna do it. This was the final result. When I saw it, that's what they came up with. So they did interview a lot of people and decided how they wanted to put it together. But I think they liked that story about when I was telling how George will go to every band member after we get paid, like, hey, give me, honey. <laughs> give me a hundred. How are you gonna tell your boss no? Like, seriously? And I was new. I'm like, I was giving him money left. Okay, here you go. And then the road manager saw me, Stefan Galfus, He's was like, what are you doing? Stop giving him money. I was like, what? Do you know the whole band is Sheila? Stop. And so I stopped. He told me I was hurting him. I wasn't helping. So I stopped giving him money. But they left that part in. I guess it was pretty funny. Because can you imagine your boss? Like you just got paid. And you can't say no because they know you have money. Right? They know you have money. How can you say no?
0: That's That's what they call a cash 22.
1: A rock and a hard place. My cousin's band, Eric and a hard place. A rock and a hard place. That's where you are. But I was doing it. I'd given him my bracelet. I gave him a bracelet. had all these little bobbles on it. And he was on stage hitting that bad boy up against his hand until all the bobbles were gone. When he gave me the bracelet back, it was like three bobbles left on it. Over like over a 100. And it was three after he finished. <laughs> so I, I kind of learned not to give him my glasses and my bracelets and stuff because I wasn't getting them back. He threw my glasses in the audience. Give me those glasses. Okay, my sunglasses. I saw him sailing across the audience like, okay, that's just part of it. He's the boss. He can do that. <laughs> he can do that. Yes, that was, yes. But it was fun. There was a lot, the community spirit back then was like amazing. Like we even had something called Fork Bandit. You know, we could take your fork and actually put it in somebody else's plate and say Fork Bandit and actually seize some food in their plate and not get stabbed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was cool. There was a sense of sharing and caring. It was just beautiful.
0: It was beautiful, seriously. Well, you came in at a time when it was like kind of peaking, and then it rapidly started to sort of crash exactly and then you know steve washington is my ex-husband right yeah 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 the great leader of slave
1: yeah i brought him in to the fold i said george at the time george nothing was happening i'm serious it was nothing going on living in detroit trying to make something happen and i brought stevie in and said hey check stevie out and then they did the backwards stuff and that's how we got two fries How, how did
0: you meet steve washington
1: Oh, um, oh, uh, Mark Stevens from the group Slave, mm-hmm. the guitar player, Mark Stevens. Um, I was working Charlotte girl named Charlotte Morgan, she's from Cleveland, and my friend Sam, um, they kind of were like fans that became like really like really close to us. And Stevie was really good friends with Drack because of course he was enslaved. So um they had they asked us to come up. He wanted me to, a new track, and, he, and Stevie wanted me to come up and uh, do some work on some, do some music. So I went up there, and he was not going to let me leave. He was not going to do it. He just stayed on me and stayed on me, and I married him. <laughs> I was like, I mean, he was not going to let go. It was, I loved it. I mean, I like being pursued. I call women. We love it. And he wouldn't stop. So I actually, I married him. Doesn't happen. I met him in, uh, where did I meet him? Was it in Jersey? I think I went to Jersey, yeah. Because I was in Cleveland doing some things, and then Drax said, hey, you want to come do this? And then I met Stevie, and then I guess he decided I was going to be his wife. And we have a son, uh, Samak Washington, who's in, you ever saw the, seen the movie Crooklyn?
0: Yeah, a long time ago.
1: The little guy, the little one, like, I ate, my p- I ate three peas, or he leans over the banister. He looks like Stevie. What well, we have a son that's um, done a lot of stuff in the movies. He did uh, Indian in the Cover. He's done a few things. But, yeah. And he did Carousel on Broadway. So we have a son together. And they, who's George Clinton's godson, which he doesn't what? tell anybody. He doesn't tell anybody.
0: So you got married in, like, early 80s?
1: Yep, eighty. Um, 83 maybe and then I had my son in 85 so 83 I think it was 83 you you trying to get those numbers those dates in there aren't you I told you I was
0: standing on listeners want to know when things happen
1: oh man why don't you want know dates (laughs)
0: so then well and Steve teamed up with George on 85 86
1: yeah right before my son before my son was born uh, they were working on stuff because I was in the studio pregnant. And everybody was talking about how I was jumping up and down with that baby. And I would fall asleep next to the speakers loud as I don't know what. My son literally falls asleep <laughs> to loud music to this day. And I don't know if I heard it. I hope I didn't hurt him, But I was pregnant in the studio singing. And I would just jump up to get the notes. Everybody's laughing at me because I had this big belly. And they're like, oh, she's pregnant. So, yeah, my baby literally was in the studio with me as I was recording with George. At, at at United Sound. So, yeah. I went through the whole thing. And it was so, it was embarrassing when people would see me. And they were like, are you Sheila's sister? Because I was very pregnant. And nose and the face, nothing looked the same. It was, no, I'm Sheila. But it was worth it. He's a great, he's really, really a very good. You know what he does? The 911. he kind of helps uh, with the 911. And his boss is the main guy at the 911 Museum in New York. Oh, really? And that's pretty. We went to see that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm really proud of him. And, and I'm I two sons. I have Oliver. I have two sons, and they're pretty uh, amazing young men. I'm really proud of them. Congratulations, Absolutely. on that. Thank you, Sir, I know nobody even know. Like, when did she go have kids? Because <laughs> I would, because <go, laughs> I would go. I would go home. You know, I go home. I do. I'd be a family, and then I would be away. Like my kids, I nurse my kids. One of my son had nursed him for two and a half years. So I didn't go on the road. I became total mommy, you know, and and then I would go back. And George would I love George because he would always it was open door policy. You know, I could come back, go have a family, be a homemaker, do all that, and then go back and sing again. So I did that a few times. And the one time I did it because my friend Keith, he loved P-Funk and Bootsy and everybody, and he was a guitar player, he was a a bass player, and he wanted me to go back so he could get everybody's autograph. So I did. Mm -hmm. I went back, and you know what, I'm glad I did, because he, in 2001, he passed away. Mm -hmm. But he got all the signatures he needed, and I felt like it was a good thing. That's my family, P-Funk is my family, It's it's never gonna change, you know, they're doing their thing now, but, you know, that's my family. How many of
0: those late '70s, early '80s P-Funk records before George did his solo thing? Um, did you participate in? Would you say
1: everything after Atomic Dog, like everything, like Summer Swim, um, Knee Deep, all the hits after, like even maybe even before Atomic Dog, "Glory Hallelujah," "Stupid." I'm on all of that. She's a big, the big freak what's that. She's a big freak, freak of the week, where she gets off. Like that's me yeah (laughs) that part right there he's like "Scream that right there she i'm like what yeah i i love being in the studio with them it's very very cool
0: how how different was it um recording with steve versus george
1: um well steve was like my husband and it was like um we always had a studio right there that was the most beautiful time in terms of being creative because we made some pretty cool stuff like that slave or a crew that You know that singles worth like, I think the Are You Single one? These guys were at my mom's house. They were telling me like, they're worth $200 a single, a piece. I'm like, really? I don't have any. But um, we did a lot of really cool music together. There's some, um, we did something, we called it a new aura project with um, family groove music. Uh, and it's like the lost tapes. And it's really good. I should, you don't have that, do you?
0: I'm aware of it. I've seen it. It came out like 2015,
1: I think. Yes, it's really
0: good. Yeah, I remember coming across and I was like, "What is this?"
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to figure out how to get you a copy because it's really good. It's very, um, I can't even describe it. it. We we created some really good music. I mean, one of them was released. One of them did really well in the UK. It was number one, and I don't know. I'm like, you're supposed to be pushing it over there. If that's. Uh,
0: I definitely believe in having control. uh, That Steve Washington sound was so identifiable with that bass style and keyboard style, and even the vocal arrangements. Um, You know, and I had Kurt Jones on the show. You know, he was—he was, was, yeah, it was fun having him on. Um, So, but were you on the? are you single and and make up your mind and that no, stuff. No. But I
1: loved those songs. I remember being in California and riding down the down sunset with the top down blasting make up your mind cuz it's so good. I mean it's still good. And are you single? Are those songs just they're so good. Mm-hmm. I think I don't know, I'm thinking about toying with him or doing something. I don't know, because Steve and I are very much uh, in contact. We have a son, so he, he stuck with me for life. I don't care. We're very we're good friends. I, I keep up with him and um you know, we have a son together. So Yeah,
0: we communicate through Facebook. I've wanted to have him on, but he's just not felt up to it. So
1: Oh. Yeah. I I still you know, he's really I, I love that he believed in me enough to give me a chance to be a producer. Uh, you know, I produced my own. I produced him that album, Like a Shot. I produced his vocals. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that album? No. She Didn't Like a Shot album. It's so good. I produced that. Um, so he let me produce and I wrote all the lyrics to all those projects we did together and the melody. I wrote all that myself and he did the music. And he believed in me, and I. And it made me. It gave me. It was like adrenaline. It was like fuel. Like, oh, he believes in me. I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do it right. So people still love that stuff. It's gonna come back out again.
0: When he got with uh, George for R&B skeletons in the closet, I think it was. Yes. Uh, he did most of this, or a heck of a lot of stuff on that record, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, he did. He did most of all the music. I mean, we did do "Fries Go with That Shake," you know, um, and. uh, George after I I laid down like all the back we did all the backgrounds most of them and we I did I think I did like maybe two verses then he took the record to California and let Vanessa Williams do a verse on it okay and then I was told that um she was told to sound like me my girlfriend called me from out there said Sheila da 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 and he said sound like her and she got a deal from that 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 situation but it was me <laughs>
0: Yeah, she ended up having her own big hit record about a year later.
1: It was it was me singing on there, and then they were going to do an unsung, and then when they got to me, they they canned it. I guess you know they'd have to say, "Hey, wait a minute, you mean she was?" Because I met the guy that signed her, and he signed her, but that was it was me singing on the record. He had no idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He thought it was all Vanessa. Yeah, you can't do that now. Mm-mm. Well, when, you,
0: when, when you would add vocals to tracks like that, or you mentioned Summer Swim, and what was the process? Did you usually just cut those by yourself, or with any of the musicians? Or
1: oh no, we were always in the studio. You know, it was like we'd all be in the studio. Everybody would go in there and everybody's singing. And then George, was like if he didn't like what you were doing. He said like, you fired. So you knew that I mean get out. <laughs> just that session, like right then. You can go back later, and it was always really. It was very competitive. It was like, okay, I'm gonna do the best I can because George's gonna choose me to stand here, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna rule, I'm gonna rise. It was very much like that. So that's why everything was really good because it was like you had to stay on your toes. It was no joke. I mean, you go in there, you don't want to get fired. You know, you don't want to sing the wrong thing and say, okay, I don't like that, get out, fired, you fired. But that doesn't mean you're completely fired. Just you're fired from this moment right now, the singing part. You can't do it. I need mean, that voice. He knew what he wanted. And your voice or your sound didn't wasn't it then you had to leave and wait till the next time
0: i understand though that gary a lot of times also gave some vocal directions right so
1: how often was
0: it it gary versus george kind of directing vocals um
1: sometimes they'd be in there together you know sometimes they'd be in the studio like they'd be right in there with you directing it was so many variations um uh I, I love both I love working with both of them. I mean they Gary's very oh his harmonies are so like magnificent, you know, and George too. I mean they were really they knew what they wanted. And um the those harmonies, man, are they like amazing or what?
0: It's The only <laughs> ones that do it that way.
1: I'm trying to tell you. And I never met Glenn, you know, which I really wish I met Glenn Gones because his voice was so amazing. Um, But there are a lot of great singers and musicians in that band. I mean, you had to be good. You could not fake the funk. It wasn't happening. No, you'd be be gone. Then fake. Because there's nothing like being in the studio in front of that microphone. You can't fake. You're right there. You can hear you really well. And that's it.
0: Well, you're also surrounded by some of the greatest musicians, period.
1: No, know, right. Dennis Chambers, he was my he was my band drummer. He was a drummer for Brides First, and George took him. He was like, oh, I'm snatching him. Oh boy. He was our drummer. Dennis was, I love Dennis. Dennis also, a-
0: also, I Blackbird was Brides. Uh Skate, was bride. Skate
1: was Brides. Okay. Yeah, he had the band. And George was like, oh no, no. I'm snatching them up <laughs> right now. But that's the way it went. And, you know, once you've been around musicians like that, that caliber, I mean, it's like, wow. And and, and singers, amazing singers, too. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Eddie Hazel actually um, taught, taught me how to sing uh, a little differently because he said my vibrato used to be all over the place. Girl, your vibrato's everywhere. Come here. So he kind of took me <laughs> under his wing and taught me how to control my vibrato and, and work it like you're supposed to work it. Like a soul chicken.
0: <laughs> That's interesting because, I mean, Eddie, of course, known for his guitar, primarily, not as much for vocals, but he could sing.
1: Oh, he could sing. Yeah. He really understood. I think, you know, it was because he was a good, a great guitarist that he knew how to manipulate the voice to uh, accent or whatever he was doing on the guitar. He was really good. He was a really good singer. And... Um, he was funny too. He was a everybody There were a lot of pranksters in the band, you know. Like uh, Dennis would walk in in the in the dressing room, and he might have a towel on. He might give us a little flash, <laughs> and then he would walk out like nothing happened. Yeah, they were they were very they were pranksters. And we had a lot of fun. We really had a lot of fun. I'm not did joking.
0: You, did you guys did the uh, brides get hit on a lot too? Oh my goodness,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It seems like I was always. I was kind of shy, but yeah, we we got a oh we got a lot of yeah we had a lot of uh, guys that definitely showed appreciation. I'm not gonna lie, and I think it gave us a, 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 an advantage as women, you know, because they're like, "How can you married to I me?" Mean, <laughs> My field is a lot different, probably, than a lot of girls. I don't know if you're in this game, you are around a lot of men. I mean, hello, George. I was on on the tour with thirty guys at one point. But um, you're always around a lot of guys. Absolutely. There's no shortage. But a male shortage where?
0: <laughs> what was your um, impressions of Bernie?
1: Oh, I love Bernie. Bernie was uh, Bernie was so funny. Okay, he would always stick his teeth out, you know, when he had false teeth. He would be talking, he would just stick them out. Like, like you, and he just crack up. And he loved Bloody Mary's. And he would make them really, really hot. He put a lot of Tabasco sauce in them. And he was a character. He was a genius. He was definitely a character. <laughs> they all were funny. I mean, all had a crazy, amazing, uncanny sense of humor. I think you will develop that if you're in this game. You better. If you want to make it, I mean, if you want to last in it.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, Pete Funk never took itself too seriously. So, I mean, that's part oh, of the whole thing
1: and that's funny that everybody else did though <laughs> a lot of people did take are taking us seriously which i was serious you know I musically, was like
0: musically yeah musically,
1: yeah but like you're like life is a party you know what i mean like stozo i remember one day i called stozo i'm like stozo why are we here like why do we go through these changes why do we do this every day what is the point he was like sheila we are here to have as much fun as possible as long as possible period i said okay I can handle that. That works. Live life easy. Those are, this is something that I really believe in. Like, I ain't worried about nothing. French Montana has a song called, I think I ain't worried about nothing. I love that song. And you know, what's the other one? Um, basically stuff like that, like things that make you, you know, it's not that, it's not that deep. You know, you, you, you gotta enjoy the time you're here. You have to. Cause if you don't, what was, what was the point?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen.